0: Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesch. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless, but at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People Podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Syra Remtula. An Ontario certified teacher of 15 years with the Toronto District School Board. Syra is passionate and devoted to children and teaching. As the founder of Connected Start, Syra has developed a fun-filled program tailored to children ages zero months to five years which provides them the foundational tools necessary to achieve success in their educational journey. Making connections with their caregivers, their surroundings, and each other are the keys to success. Syra has a beautiful energy and enthusiasm for setting your kiddos up for success in the early years through connections with caregivers using music and rhyme. In our conversation, Saira shares how personal connections and engaging learning experiences are critical to building our brain's neural connections in these early years. As well, she talks about the importance of developing confidence in our kids and creating safe spaces to make mistakes, as this is where some of the greatest learning happens. Thank you so much for joining me today, Saira. Hi, Tiana. How's it going? Good. I'm so glad <laughs> to have you here. And where I wanted to start with today is to learn more about you and your story. And I'd love to hear about your journey and that led you to become both a teacher and the founder of Connected Start.
1: Well, it was quite the journey, actually. Um, I knew actually from when I was really little that I wanted to work with young people. I've always had a love for children. And when I was 11, my mom actually revealed to myself and my older brother that a baby was coming. So you can imagine at age 11, um, having a little baby at home was quite an experience for me. And I think, um, I mean, prior to that, I did really enjoy children, but at that point, just to see how my little brother was learning and to see how he reacted to me. I think that's where the love really, really blossomed um, for wanting to be a teacher and um, And, you know, I knew I wanted to work with children, but I also thought, you know, social work or maybe child psychology. But once I got into university, I think that's when I realized, and I didn't even apply for teacher's college right away. It was after the four years of undergrad. And um, and once I started, once I graduated, I actually started teaching right away um, in older grades. I was teaching grade two, grade three for about 10 years. Um, And I had a lot of opportunities to work with families and babies um, on a voluntary basis and using music. Um, And I always was exposed to music when I was little. I was part of a choir that my mom encouraged me to be part of. It was a community choir and sometimes she had to force me But I'm so glad that she did because it really made me um, the person that I am today. And so the love of music, the love of education, um, they kind of came together with this opportunity to work with families and and music. And I really saw the importance of music and movement and play with the young ones. Um, And I had an opportunity uh, to work with them for about, I'd say maybe three to four classes before COVID hit. And that's when it was like, okay, I don't really know. I couldn't do it anymore, right? Those classes, they shut down. Um, but it was also at a time where I had the opportunity to do a four over five. Do you know what a four over five is?
0: No, tell me, tell me. So in
1: Toronto, in Toronto, the school board, um, they offer this program where you work for four years at 80% of your pay. And in your fifth year, you still get your biweekly paychecks, but you have the year off. And so it was around the same time that I applied for this and I thought, I'm going to leave teaching and I'm going to open up a mommy and baby play place. And I'm going to do these music classes and then they get to socialize after and the kids get to socialize and play. But then, of course, COVID hit two years into this four over five. And I said, you know, it's not going to happen. But I still had to take my, that, you know, that fifth year I was home. Um, and that's when things actually started to open up. And it was in December it was 2020 um, where I was like, I'm, I was bored at home, right? My kids were in school and I was at home and I had all these dreams of doing this mummy and baby thing. Um, and then I, I, I reached out to a mummy organization in the community and I said, I'm a teacher. I'm on a leave. Can I come and do a music class for you? And they jumped on the opportunity. And when I went, I didn't have Connected Start. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. I just went for it. And I loved the experience. The moms and the babies love the experience. And then that's how Connected Start was born. So, and then after that, things just kind of, I, it was just snowballed into something amazing. And, uh, you know, a couple months later at Connected Start and a year later, I'm here talking to you. So
0: that's, that's amazing. So that's the journey.
1: Yeah, kind of, things kind of just fell on my lap. But I realized during that that year off, I think a lot of time to reflect. And you know, I was turning 40 that year as well. And I'm like what's my purpose, right? And so I realized, you know, this is my purpose. Like, this is what I've been blessed with, and this is what I need to do. And yeah,
0: the rest is history. So it's
1: been amazing. It's an amazing journey so far.
0: That sounds incredible. And it's so interesting sometimes when we look back at how all those pieces kind of fall into place for us with taking some action um, and getting curious and and trying some things as well. So that is amazing. So what grade are you teaching now? So kindergarten.
1: And so when, yeah, so the year that I started that four over five, I transitioned into kindergarten. Um, And so I did that for four years until my my four over five that year off. Um, But that was intentional because I wanted to see these little ones before they start school how could I set them up for success? I wanted to know what, what are kids doing in kindergarten? Like, what are they up to? What is, what is their learning like? And so I did that for four years, but now I am still teaching, but only half time. So I actually teach kindergarten all the way to grade five, music, drama, and dance. Wow. So that's quite an experience. And that's helping with the connected start, um, you know, opportunities as well. And I'm learning a lot in, they, 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 um, they complement each other, the two positions, which is great.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting too. in teaching different grades and working with different ages of children, you really get to see that progression. As you said, what is it that they're learning in kindergarten? And how does that Mm -hmm. kind of translate beyond? And then how does your work with the little ones influence and affect the things that come later too? And um, so the four over five in Alberta, Uh, at least with the Calgary Public Board, is a deferred salary. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little bit of a different name. Not something that uh, my husband or I have taken advantage of, but definitely something we've talked about. So that's wonderful that you took advantage of that opportunity. It was nice. Life-changing. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes... Looking for taking advantage of some of those creative ways that we can approach our work and really yes. allow some interesting doors to open for sure. For sure, yeah, yeah. Now, um, building relationships, I always talk about as being so central to my personal teaching philosophy, and it's one of the core values of my business, mm-hmm. also for my family. And it's really all about, for me, just actively seeking ways to build strong connections among the teacher or the facilitator of learning and the learners in the content. And that's, of course, when I see that magic really happening. So I'd love to know in your work with younger kiddos, why is building strong, positive connections so important? So, so making connections
1: and, and building a strong positive connection is crucial, um, right from the get go, right from birth. And so the caregiver, the parents, um, it's important for them to build that strong connection with their babies and through, through music, through play, through, you know, when they coo and when they, when they try and talk to you, respond to them. And this really leads to, um, you know, a positive well-being, strong mental health, even in adulthood, right? And and research and science is actually showing the importance of this connection right at the beginning. And when it comes to educators, I mean, we often send our children at 12 months, as early as 12 months into somebody else's home or into a center, and they become caregivers. And so as an educator, it's also important to build this positive connection because you want the little ones to feel safe. You want them to feel comfortable in the environment that they're in. You want them to make mistakes because as they're making the mistakes, that's when they're learning, right? And that's when they're taking the risks. If they're not comfortable, if they know they're going to get yelled at um, and they don't have that positive connection with their caregiver, they're not going to take risks. They're not going to learn, right? So that connection is really, really important um, right in the early years. And there is a lot of research out there now that is saying that that is the most important um, for for life success.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so with you on that one. I I really see learning as such a vulnerable thing, uh, a vulnerable experience. So when we can be made to feel comfortable and we feel that connection um, with the instructor in the environment that we're in, it makes such a difference because as you said, it allows us to feel comfortable taking those risks or doing things that were that are outside of our comfort zone. And that's where the real learning really happens.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, it's true. And the big the big part for me, too, is the confidence, right? When you go into a classroom, even as like a toddler, I'm working in a daycare right now. And I'm working with little ones like they're, they're not even two years old. And when they saw me come in for just the second time, you could see their eyes light up. But they were also comfortable Coming up to me and talking to me, and you can see that confidence. And my experiences in kindergarten too, when children come in to the school system prepared, like they know how to write their name, they know what their name looks like. The confidence is what helps them get to the next level. And so, for us as mums, as caregivers, as um, educators, setting them up for that success is so important, right? That and, and as and as adults too, when we feel confident. We are comfortable being uncomfortable right like we have to begin to do that We have to feel comfortable being uncomfortable because that's when we're growing the most And so I think as adults if we model that for the little ones, they will feel comfortable doing it as well.
0: I so very much agree and it's uh, I fa- I really found that when I went back to university as an adult and as a mom and just, Uh, It was almost good in a way to be back in that student role because it reminds you, I was driving to my first day of class thinking, why did I do this to myself? And what is it going to feel like? And is anybody even going to like me? Yes. (laughs) All those scary feelings. And as I had mentioned to you just before we started recording, I'm starting a new contract at a a big educational institution. And tomorrow is my first day going there. And I... Feel nervous because I don't know exactly where I'm going, and I don't really yeah. know anybody, and where am I going to park? And yes. and and, um, for for our children with less life experience, those are big, huge milestones heading into. Yeah. Um, a classroom. So I think even if we as adults can reflect on how we feel in those new uncomfortable situations, and then uh, remember how big those new uh, experiences are for our kiddos and to equip them with the confidence exactly. and the skills yes. and the things preparing that they need. Them. Yeah.
1: Yes. yeah. Yeah. We can't just throw them into it and be like, okay, off you go. It's like, no, you're going to a safe place. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of fun. And yeah, preparing our children for all of the experiences is so important. Like my daughters, we're, we're traveling soon and she's a little worried about being on the airplane. And I'm like, like, what is it? Like, you can't just tell them going to be okay you're going to be fine but having the conversation like what is it that you're worried about what is it that is making you scared or you know having you need to and then that's also building connection right with your it's that that connection continues it's not that you only do it when they're little and then that's it no it's always you're always even as you meet new people right making that connection is so important
0: Yeah. yeah it really really is connection is key uh so Teachers and parents have expectations for children when it comes to their learning and development. I think this ties in nicely to what we've been talking uh, about in terms of making those changes and trying those new things. So why do you think it's so important to set high expectations for our kiddos?
1: It's important because they can do it. (laughs) They can. They can. I know this might sound a bit mean, but... Babies and children, they don't know any better. So why not set the routine of the high expectations? Because you know what? Um, not, you know, children are born with all their brain cells, with all the neurons, and it's the connections that are that what we need to develop. And so having the strong, um, positive relationship with them, giving them these rich experiences, that's what builds the connections between the, the brain cells. Um, and also by age five, 90% of the brain is already at um, adult size, right? So, So setting those high expectations will only lead to success for your children, right? My experience in kindergarten, I saw kids coming in, who knew their alphabet, who knew how to write their name, who knew their numbers, colors. They were, oral language was amazing. They could communicate with me. And then you had children that really came in with nothing. And and unfortunately, I think that some parents don't know that there are certain things that they could do with their kids right from the beginning, right from birth. Um, and so you see the two, you see the two sides you see children come in that are ready and full and they're, you know, they could do all this learning and others that are now starting at age four with their learning, but they've missed those first years that were so crucial, right? Um, by age three, it's by age three, 80% of the brain is that adult, is that adult um size, right? So you can think of all that learning that's happening. And I'm not saying you, right at birth, you pull out alphabet cards and you teach your kids the alphabet, but having them around the house, you know, just randomly placed on your fridge or on your dishwasher, giving them rich opportunities to go like to the museum or to the zoo or even a walk in the neighborhood, but talk about the things that you see. Look at the trees. What's happening in the fall? Well, the leaves are changing colors, right? Having these conversations with our children even before they start speaking is so important. And so for me, that's why expectations are um, are very important right from the beginning because they're learning and they don't know any better. So my children, my son is 13, my daughter is nine, and they do a special math class called Spirit of Math. And my son is now, he's like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm like, and I said, it's non-negotiable. Like it's non-negotiable. I know you're capable of doing it and it is hard work, but you can do hard work. You can do hard things. You got this. Right. And so, and I think COVID kind of messed things up too, right? Like our children with online learning and te- the teachers, we weren't prepared for online learning. We didn't have enough training. Um, and, and then again, they were, it was asynchronous stuff too. So if you had a parent who, you know, wasn't on top of technology and didn't know what to do with their children at home. These kids are now at a loss, right? So they're trying to catch up and the school board's doing a good job of, you know, offering tutoring and they are investing a bit of money and, um, but there's so much more that needs to be done. But I think if parents right at the beginning, you know, you take time to sit with your kids in the evening, right? Half an hour, 20 minutes, read a book together. If you set that up while your, your, you know, your children are little, then they know to expect that as they get older, right? And, you know, a lot of school boards, they say there's no homework policy. Like in Toronto, we do have a no homework policy, but still parents and teachers do give out homework and stuff. But once you get to high school, you get homework all the time. So now we're not going to give, I think even in junior high, like grade seven, you get homework. So are we not sending homework home with our kids? And then all of a sudden in grade seven, they get all this homework, but yet they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And another big thing that I think is really important is connection between school and home. And that's really lacking here in Toronto. I don't know how it is for you down in Alberta, but um in Toronto here, it's there is no home and school connection that I see. And it is so important because when we involve our parents in the learning process, then that learning process can happen at home. It's not that the learning stops. Once 330 hits, the learning stops. No. You need to take advantage of every opportunity. So high expectations are like number one for me. And I know when I've set them for my children and my students, they reach them. They do. And you can't give up. As an educator, and I'm sure you know this, Tiana, you try something once, twice, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But if you continue, if I can get babies that are two years old to sit in a circle and listen to what I'm doing... That's pretty amazing. It's because I've set that expectation high and I didn't give up. It doesn't work the first time or the second time, but eventually it will. And so not to give up as educators is so important too. We give up easily, I think. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that or if you have colleagues that are like that or if you've experienced that, but we need to not give up on ourselves and not give up on our students and our kids.
0: Yeah. I mean, our, our kids have been so fortunate and have had many teachers that like you said set those high expectations and I mean we've had um, you know always a mix right you have your favorite teachers and you have those teachers that don't connect as well with your child or with your family um, in comparison to others for a variety of reasons for sure but when uh, that intentional effort to connect and to yeah. set those clear and high expectations, when those things happen, yes. uh, it's it makes such a huge difference. Because then uh, kids feel seen and heard and yes. understood. They yes. know what they need to do. They yeah. feel comfortable asking questions when they're not sure. And then you're right, as families, we can... Um, follow up at home we can support what's happening in the classroom at home. we can ask those questions about what's happening at school. yes um, yeah the, that communication, that learning community piece is so yeah, key
1: it is. And you know often we have um, you know we our children come home and we're like, what did you do today?" And they're like uh, they often say nothing or they have very it's like yep, did you have fun yes. Uh, Did you do art? Yes, right. It's like all these yes no questions. They can't elaborate, but if there is the solid home and school connection, parents know what's happening, right? Like if teachers are communicating with their parents. We have a Remind app here. I don't know if you use Remind app down there, but Remind app is just this. It's it's an just. A neat little app that you get on your phone where teachers can communicate with parents. You can send pictures and parents can communicate with you if you choose to allow that. Like there are settings that you can allow. Um, and and it's just a great way to keep parents aware of what's happening in the classroom, right? So you can ask specific questions, right? To keep on top of your little ones because the discussion needs to know. And then also it shows um, that you care, right? As a parent, you care about what your child is learning. And so they may be more invested and they may take more ownership too of their learning, right? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it really helps. We, um, different teachers and schools has have had different ways and approaches of things over the years. So right now we have three kids in three different schools, elementary, junior high and high school. So it's all a little bit different at each of those levels. But um, we've had like weekly emails from teachers, which is great because then you can ask specific questions about the content and they're Uh, Sharing, you know, what things are coming up, what things are going to be due soon, so you can provide that support and follow up. Or teachers have had blogs or Google Classroom, or yeah, sometimes it's a matter of keeping track of which teacher and which school is sharing things in which way. But as as our kids are getting older, uh, the accountability is more on them, which is helpful. Um, But yeah, it's uh, it's so important. And I always appreciate the effort that goes into um, putting these communication tools into place and then actually using them because it's a huge help uh, to make sure that As families, we can remain in the know and that when we ask our kids what they did at school and they say nothing, we know that's actually not true.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something, uh, Tiana, about, you know, our children feeling um, accountable for their own learning. I think that that is also very important, right? Like we don't want our children to go to school because we've told them that they need to go to school. We don't want them to learn because my, we, I have to go to school because my mom's telling me I have to learn. No, I can't go to school because my teacher's telling me to learn. No, that's not why we go to school. But you know, I think when you, as an educator and as a parent, if you have a deep connection with your child and with your students, um, that love of learning blossoms, right? You need to connect with your students or as a, as a parent, as whatever, the caregiver and child, you need to build that positive connection and love for learning because you want them to be accountable for their learning, right? And being a parent, being a teacher is not an easy job, especially being a parent. It is not easy. If you think that it's easy being a parent, then <laughs> I actually think you need to be doing more because it is. It is not it's not easy. It's not easy being a parent. Like investing the time to sit with them, talk to them, listen to them. It is exhausting doing all those things. So I really hope your listeners do that with the children because yeah. Yeah. And you've got kids that are all so many the different ages and I don't think it gets easier as they get to high school, right? It's like a
0: different It's different, hard. I I always think back with the little, little ones, and it's hard. It's hard. It's all consuming. You've always got someone on you. You have to watch so carefully. A lot of things they can't do for themselves yet, so you're needing to do a lot Um, when they get older. It's different, like it's different diff- hard in different ways, wonderful yes. in different ways, hard yes. in different ways. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like our oldest is now driving, and that's oh, wow. exciting yet terrifying all at yes. the same time. Yes. Um, yeah, and then and starting to make decisions about what to do after high school yes. with one year left, and those types of things. And at the end of the day, it's their decision, yes. um, it's and true. their journey, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's tricky. And then of course watching, you know, when your children are not successful at something or they're struggling with something and supporting them. But oftentimes you're, you're not able to fix, um, the problem for them. They need to find that way to kind of work through it or fix it themselves. It's, it's hard, bigger kids, bigger problems in some ways. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, every age and stage definitely has its thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as parents, it's like, did I make the right choice? Did I not make the right choice? But You're right. It's their journey. And I think if we're supportive of the things that they love, because that's, I think that's, I realized too recently that you need to love what you do to be successful and to be happy and to have joy in life, right? You don't just wake up in the morning to go to a job. You wake up in the morning to do what you love, right? That's what gets you up. So I think supporting our students, supporting our children, um, and hopefully it's not something that's not attainable but you know supporting them and you know reach for the stars have the high expectations right teaching your kids to set high expectations for themselves too they can do it they can do hard work you can they
0: absolutely yeah. can they <laughs> absolutely can yeah no it's uh it's definitely been an adventure and a learning curve as a parent i'm with you it's yeah. uh it's a challenging but wonderful job to have for sure yeah. yes So I wanted to ask you about um, how in developing learning experiences, be it in the classroom or in business and beyond, we're always trying to find these and implement these high-impact tools and strategies. And I'm curious from you, what are the benefits of using rhymes, music, and play with babies and toddlers, and how might these strategies also potentially benefit older children or even adults with their learning. Okay, so with the little ones,
1: I mean, music, movement, play, those are things that are engaging for our little ones. When I go in um, and I start, I just start singing, they just like look over, you know what I mean? And also you can tell the child, and I'm sure you've experienced this as a parent, can you sit down or can you please stop? Okay, sit down, please stop please sit down, please stop. Like all of a sudden you sing it and they end up listening. Um. So the engagement factor I think is, is key. But also when you think of music or you think of a rhythm, like I love to sing this song. I always start with fickle tee, fickle tee, bumble bee, which has this A, B pattern, right? A clap and a tap. That's math. So you've got one year old, you know, doing patterns and learning about math. So these are things that set our kids up for success. The rhymes. Um, and also with Connected Start, everything um, is oral. I'm not looking at a book. We're not reading anything. So that eye contact is there, right? And so so the music, um, the oral language, the rhymes, it just, it, it helps them. It's at their level and also the engagement, right? They want to do it. Um I went into I was telling you earlier about the toddler class that I went to went into for the second time. is literally the second time and they were asking me to repeat things that I did. And I'm like, "How do you remember that?" But it's because it's musical, right? It's musical. It has rhythm, the rhymes have rhythm, and our brains can remember these things. I don't know about you, but I'm a musical learner and the provinces of Canada, you know how I know them? And the order is through a song that one of my elementary school teachers taught me. The provinces of Canada are fun to remember, sing them with me. And then that's how I remember them till today. So our brains are very musical right from the beginning. Um, and as we grow, I mean, sure, we do, you know, some of us are auditory learners, some of us are kinesthetic learners, but um, the music is so important for, for the little ones. And, and of course, the sensory play, right? Like we learn through our senses when we're little. And so giving, those, giving them the opportunity to smell things, to feel things, to hear things is so important. Um, and the big thing about connected start, and I know many educators use this in the classroom, is when we introduce a rhyme, the students and the children have an opportunity to repeat it. And I, I said earlier, the importance of confidence. So as the little ones are reciting these rhymes in front of their peers or in front of their families, they're just, they're, you know, they are building their confidence. They're building their character. And the amazing thing is, is I do these rhymes with my kindergarten class at school. They are now being so creative and innovative they are changing the words of the rhymes. So there's one rhyme where we have a turtle that goes up a hill, a snake goes up a hill. Um, And around Halloween time, I said, hey, what if we use some Halloween characters? And then we had a discussion about you know Halloween characters and it was like, okay, let's have a ghost go up. Okay, well, what would the ghost sound like?
0: Ooh.
1: And then I didn't even think about this. This was just yesterday. One of the kindergarten kids said, well, when they get to the top of the hill, maybe they could see a Christmas tree. All the characters go up, the animals go up and there's a huge rock and they push the rock and the rock goes down the hill. Well, this little girl says, why don't we have a Christmas tree? And they push the Christmas tree down the hill. And then another child at the back says, well, wait, an elf can go up the hill and Santa could go up the hill and the reindeer. And I'm like, this is so amazing, right? So exposing them, to oral language and to these rhymes and giving them the opportunity and modeling for them how they could adapt and be creative, they learn from that, right? And so now they're creating their own rhymes. So they're like, well, we want to create one in the summertime. I was like, okay, well, you can connect with each other. You collaborate at recess time and you create one. And once you've created it, you come back and let me know, right? Um, And I don't know if you know this, Tana, but I started to do some immersive training um, with educators. Mm -hmm. And I work with, I also did some virtual um, sessions as well. And with the educators, I find that sometimes we're lacking confidence. And so when I introduce these rhymes, and some of them are new... I actually teach them the rhymes and I'm like, okay, we're gonna do it now. And they're like, hmm. I'm like, yeah, no, no, we're gonna do it. like you know, hands yeah, hands here, yep, hands here and the turtle went up the hill and let's push okay more. like, you know, let's do this. And by the end of it, you can see their confidence level boost too, right. Um, and so it's so nice to the that, that whole idea of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. And I think that's my gift. I actually think that, I have this ability to help adults feel comfortable being uncomfortable. It's just something, I don't know what it is, but I've heard it before. People have said it to me. They're like, you just have this personality where you can just make anyone feel comfortable. And I think it's all, and I actually think what it is, is there's zero judgment, right? You don't know how to speak English. Well, I'm going to help you get there. (laughs) You speak broken English. Well, that's okay. We're going to get there. You don't know how to do this certain action. Well, I'm going to teach you. We're going to get there, right? And so... I guess me being confident and having the high expectation for them, um, I think then leads to this confidence building, right? And it's just, it's so contagious. I don't know. I just, um, I never thought I could teach adults. And now that I have the opportunity to do it and know that I'm making a bigger impact, right? Like if I can teach what I do to other educators, imagine the ripple effect that would have. So yeah, yeah it's an amazing journey that I'm
0: on. And each day is something new and it's so much fun. Well, and I think it's so interesting how you have really found that way to implement your personal touch, like who you are um, and have created a space to make, as you said, people feel comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that's so important uh, for learning experiences, be it for young children or for adults, is we remember that we're teaching people. Who are going to feel vulnerable, potentially uncomfortable, trying something new, stepping outside of their comfort zone. Yes. And by creating that space, and providing that support and encouragement to people, it can make a a huge difference for their learning, as well as the engagement piece, as you said, getting the adults to do the actions to participate in the song, and not just be sitting there passively taking in the information that you're sharing with them and really giving them that opportunity to put it into practice and make it meaningful for them. So uh, all those wonderful things that work so well and create that magic for the little ones. Yes. We need to remember them for the big kids and the the adults, the adults. too. The adults too, for sure. I've had moments sitting in classes where – you know, two hours have gone by and I'm getting sore and uncomfortable from sitting in the same place. And I'm not really listening anymore. And I'm not really getting as much out of the experience anymore. Um, So we need to take all that magic and all those good things that you're doing and, and apply them no matter what the age of the learners are that we're working with. I don't know if I'd be singing songs in my classes because I don't have a beautiful voice like yours, but I enjoy
1: songs. (laughs) (laughs) I would get you to sing. I really would. You know what? It's not about having the right rhythm or having the right note or having the right beat. It's about the confidence that you have. Right? When I was in that choir, I was telling you about growing up, the conductor always said, be wrong and strong. As long as you're strong, no one's going to know that you're wrong, right? And our children, our kids, they don't, they don't know. And when I was teaching the educators these rhymes, I said, if you change, um, the melody of something or if you add in a different word, the children don't know any better. Of course you want it to make sense, but they don't know that you've made a mistake, right? So go with it and then just continue, like continue. But, I, but you know, at the same time, I think it is important to make mistakes. Like I feel like I have a difficult time articulating myself when I'm with adults put me in a room with children and I got it. I'm, I'm 100% comfortable. But when I'm with adults, I'm like, "Mm." but then I'm like, you know what? We're allowed to make mistakes. And in fact, if I make a mistake, I might actually make everyone else feel comfortable because we all make mistakes and we're supposed to make mistakes. Like if we're human beings, right? So, yeah, I think it's important to to model making mistakes, right? Not even modeling it. It's actually the truth, right? I make mistakes
0: all the time and it's okay. It's, right? it's okay. So okay. I yeah. When I was teaching high school chemistry, I would have a jar of candy on my desk. And when yes. my students caught me making mistakes, I would give them candy. I would celebrate them identifying my mistakes yeah. because A, it made, as you said, it was a comfortable space to make mistakes. It also yes. made them pay attention because they really wanted mm. to catch me making a mistake. Oh, which I like is, that. So it was a win-win. It was yes. a win-win. But yeah, we That's all make great. mistakes and yes. I would totally own it. But I, I like how you said wrong and wrong, but strong. It, what, yes. Wrong and strong. Because yes. I think sometimes, as you said, we can get in our own heads and it can prevent us from doing something. Or taking that action because we're worried yeah. about it having to be perfect and it doesn't yes. need to be.
1: You know what? You said the word perfect. I am not using that word anymore. I love that. I don't think more. perfection I don't think perfection exists. What's yeah. perfect? Like what is it? So you know when my students come to me and they show me something and often we would say, Oh, it's perfect, right? It's perfect the way it is. But there's always room to improve, right? Um, When I was teaching grade two and three many, many years ago, I would never give out an A in the first report card because A means you've reached the top, right? Or at least an A plus. I think maybe I would give out A's, maybe not, but never an A plus, right? Because then that means you've achieved it all. We haven't achieved it all. Like this is term one, right? And so we're going to keep learning. We're going to keep going, right? Because and it all goes back to those expectations, right? Like if you tell a child they've already achieved that A+, then they may say, I have no more improving to do. That's it. I'm at the top, right? But no, there's always room for improvement. Perfection does not exist.
0: It definitely doesn't. And if we get get hung up on it, it's just going to hold us back. And we're not going to try or take those risks and be vulnerable and and really have that amazing learning take place. Yeah, I like that. Okay, I'm gonna be more conscious of when or if and when I use the word perfect. I'm gonna catch myself and I'm gonna hear your yeah. voice in my head because I really, uh, I really appreciate that perspective. Now you are a teacher and I'm wondering if you have a favorite teacher or favorite learning experience that you've had and why does that person or experience stand out for you? So you know what's
1: interesting is I don't have a particular teacher in mind that has actually taught me like something. It's more about a connection that I made with a teacher. Like I don't know who taught me one plus one is two. And I don't know who taught me my multiplication tables. I don't know, you know, who taught me the provinces of Canada. I don't know that. But there is one teacher that I think really saw the genius in me and saw me for who i was and this is it was high school miss uh, miss storms miss jackie storms and she was actually the guidance counselor um and it was um in my year of graduating back then we had grade 13 and i was um i was heavily involved in voluntary service at our school like i was the president of the food bank committee i was president of the multicultural club like any club that there that existed at the school i was part of and Um, she recognized that and she recognized, um, I think, what brought me happiness and what brought joy to me. Um, And so she really supported um, me with applying for scholarships. And there was something called the Future Ace, um, Future Ace's um, philosophy. And so there was a scholarship for that. Um, And there was the Veronica Lacey Award. It was the year of the volunteer that I I graduated as well. Anyways, I applied for all of these scholarships and I got all of them, right? And it was just so amazing that I could take this money and invest it back into, um, you know, my post-secondary education and, um, and, you know, purchase books or whatever it is that I needed to do. Um, but just to know that she supported me and knowing that she saw what I loved, right? Like she was able to connect with me on a deeper level to say that, you know, you love to do voluntary work and you love to, and I guess in a way to being the president of these, of these, um, groups, I was, it was a leadership role. Right. And to know that I could be a leader in the future. Um, and I feel like those experiences and that, um, you know, that encouragement that I received from her got me to where I am today. Right. Like just to know, like to, and te- I love teaching. Like I love my job, but to know that I've left, you know, the halftime time part of teaching and maybe in the future, my entire teaching career to pursue connected start um, you know, is, is amazing. It's scary, but it's amazing to know that I can make an impact in the world and and know that I can be a leader in what I'm doing, right? And educating educators and um, and just making a difference in the world. Like I really I feel like I haven't changed. Like I, what I did when I was younger is who I am today. Like even today I'm very involved in voluntary service. Um, But yeah, so it was more, yeah. So I think it's more the connection I made with this teacher um, and my extracurriculars. I think that actually, that's the the impact that the teachers have made on me. Yeah. She
0: sounds like an amazing teacher to have seen all that in you and made that connection and really had that impact on your journey. Yeah. And that's, you see, that's the importance of connection,
1: right? It's true. I don't think that we remember. I, I've i got one elementary school teacher that I remember, and I just remember it being a negative experience because there was a marker and there was a folder and I wanted to see if the marker would work. And so I ended up like doing a little scribble on the folder. And I just remember her saying, Saira, what are you doing? Like, I remember that, right? In elementary school, but I don't remember a teacher in elementary school that I can't remember one, but it was this high school guidance counselor that I remember. Right? It's all about that connection we make with our children and
0: with our students. Yeah, I th- the connection yeah. definitely sticks. Yes. Yeah, that connection piece is so important. Now, a big question for you. Okay. When you look back at your journey so far, what is something that you are the most proud of?
1: I think I'm most proud of believing in myself like to take that step. Um, and like I said earlier, like teaching is an amazing job. It, I love teaching and to have made the choice to leave um, teaching. I think that's what I'm most proud of because I was feeling a block. I was feeling like I couldn't make the impact that I wanted to make being in the classroom or being in one school. Um, I remember my previous principal said in my interviews, are you a classroom teacher? or Are you a school teacher? And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know how to answer that question. And it's like, you're a school teacher because you don't want to just impact your classroom, right? You want to make a difference in the entire school. But I felt like I couldn't do the things I wanted to do anymore because I just felt I couldn't do them in the environment that I was in right? I felt that I wouldn't be supported or I felt that maybe somebody would think that I was trying too hard or I was trying to impress the principal or whatever it was. I felt that I had to stop doing certain things. And I thought the only way that I could pursue what I love and what I'm passionate about is to do my own thing, right? And I'm And I'm such a believer of the early years um, and learning in the early years, my experience in kindergarten, seeing kids not prepared, knowing that they could be prepared, knowing that parents just don't know what to do with their kids. This This is what I'm proud of, that I can do this now, right? I can set these kids
0: up for success. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to do it. And you're doing amazing work. Thank you. I have some rapid fire questions for okay. you. Okay. Okay. What is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn how to do? Play the
1: piano. Play the piano. I, d- I I remember as a young child, my mom put me in piano lessons and I said, no, 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 I don't want to do it. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I knew how to play the piano. My instrument is my voice,
0: which I love. But if I could play the piano
1: and it's never too late. Never too
0: late. Never too late. What is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list?
1: Right now, just any place hot. Any place hot with a beach where I could just relax. I think that that's where I'm at in the future. Maybe I would love to do some sightseeing, but for now, I just want to be somewhere warm where I can relax. Sounds
0: lovely. (laughs) What is a book, podcast, movie, or TV show you have enjoyed recently?
1: You know what I really like to watch? Shark Tank, which is not really related to education, but I could sit and watch an entire day of Shark Tank. I don't have time to do that, but Shark Tank. Yeah. Just listening to how innovative and creative people are with their businesses is amazing. And it's inspiring too.
0: It is inspiring. So many creative ideas out there for sure. I don't know if I could handle the feedback personally, but (laughs) I admire people for going on the show. You have to have a thick skin.
1: You do. Yeah.
0: If you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why?
1: You know, I think it would be really awesome (laughs) to talk to Maria Montessori. I think that um, there are certain things that I enjoy about the Montessori program, certain things that I that I think I'm unsure of, but I think to see in today's world, if she would have adjusted what the Montessori program is all about, um, yeah, Maria Montessori, I would love to just ask her a thousand and one questions.
0: She would be a very interesting person yeah. to talk to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, Syrah. I always talk about how education plays such an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work and live and play and explore. And I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that could empower or support people in their own teaching and learning journeys.
1: I think the one piece of advice I would give anyone is to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think when we allow ourselves to feel uncomfortable, We grow, um, we learn, and it's important for us to be lifelong learners. That learning never, ever stops. So learn learn to be uncomfortable and be okay with it and teach it to your little ones. Teach it to your children at home and your children at school. Teach them that it's okay to make mistakes and feel uncomfortable because you're growing. You're becoming who you are.
0: That's such a perfect way to wrap up our conversation today. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the things that you're up to, where are the best places to find you?
1: Well, first off, thank you for having me. I had a great time being here. Um, So the best place to find me would be on Instagram, Connected Start. Um, Website and amazing things are coming, but the best place right now would be um, Connected Start on Instagram. I am on Facebook, even though I'm not the greatest at
0: using it. But yes, Instagram, Connected Start. Absolutely. I'll make sure to share that in the show notes. Thank you so thank much you. for joining me, Syra. It was so nice to connect with you and to learn from you today. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.